Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Thursday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And uh, very pleased to have back in the studio Dan Weed from Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street, in Concord, you can call, make an appointment uh, right now at 603-225-7988. Or, Dan, you can even make it online. Anywhere you, you choose want. to do that. Uh, there you go. If you're too shy to call, uh, you can make your appointment uh, online right now. And, uh, you know, running out of time this month to get that inspection sticker. Oh, there's always plenty of time. Plenty, plenty of, time, of time. Plenty of time. You've had Still, three months. That, that's right. That's right. But, I mean, if your birthday is in April, then, you know, right. uh, you've got to hurry if you don't have that inspection sticker uh, by this time. But Dan, what uh, what is new in the uh, in the automotive world? It, it's ever changing. Ever changing. It is. It's, it it's is. amazing that there's just so much going on in the automotive world, and it's hard to keep up with between uh, recalls, technology, uh, new car manufacturers coming into the fray now. Uh, it's just amazing to see the amount of people that are jumping on the particular EV bandwagon, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know all these electric vehicles coming in. I was looking at a couple of industry papers recently, and as many as three or four new startup companies are coming in all over the whole, you know, EV platform. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and plus we're seeing technology change so rapidly with the collision avoidance systems, with different features and functions in the cars now, and it will forever change what we do. And, you know, I never would have imagined when I got into the industry a few weeks ago <laughs> that, you know, we would actually be fixing cars today with doing software changes for, right. for a and, large part of what we and do. And that's basically uh, the, the lion's share of it, isn't it, these it's, days? It's getting to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, we look up service bullets and we look at recalls and, you know, it's a, it's a software reflash for this. It's a software upgrade. It's change this, change that, module upgrades, whatever happens to be. But a lot of it is, you know, so much dedicated to the software and electronics mm. in the vehicle. But the flip side is we still have all those mechanical systems that really haven't changed since the inception of the car. So. Right. Yeah, uh, very true. So you, you have to uh, be well-versed, as uh, you and your team are, in uh, every aspect of automotive repair. And uh, all those aspects are, are getting more wide-ranging every day. They are, and you know, to the point where we need multitudes of different diagnostic tools to do what mm, we do. Yeah. And even a simple... Routine maintenance service now requires a scan tool to do, uh, say, the maintenance light reset or changing the message on the dash to get the mileage correct. So there's so much involved with it that uh, never would have imagined we'd be where we are today. But the beauty is, is that, you know, we're not no longer getting rid of a car at 30 or 60,000 miles. We're getting rid of cars at two and 300,000 miles. You know, I think the vehicle that I drove in today uh, happy to say that I just turned 201,000 miles on that rig, and, and, and it's still you, going And strong. I have you beat. That other vehicle that's out in the lot has more than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you guys for keeping it alive yeah. for so many years. In fact, I'm coming up on my 10th anniversary nice. with that vehicle. So, um, yeah, I, it's like 226,000 now. That's amazing. That's and you, you told me at one time the, the vehicle that you operated on that had the most mileage was like 320,000. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to beat that record <laughs> if I stay alive that long. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think the car may outlast me. Uh, we but, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at any rate, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with the, with my vehicle. It hasn't given me uh, much difficulty other than the, you know, the, the you know, the, the maintenance that you have to do on it and what have you and the tires and and that sort of thing. But uh, over the years, it's it's been good. So, uh, and and cars are are built to last longer. They are, yeah. you know, much longer. And we were having a conversation at the shop the other day. You know, we, we look at well, particularly on TV, you see all these restoration shows that are out there, and they're restoring these cars and whatnot, and particularly older cars. So the the question begs is that at this point, with all this technology in the cars, what is it going to be like 20, 30, 40 years from now? Are these cars you're going to be able to keep as classics? And if so, are you going to be able to keep some of the, if you will, old school technology mm. built in that generation to go with it to be able to fix it? You know, do you have to have an old DOS computer, you know, <laughs> to be, be able to fix and reprogram something of, of that vintage, so to speak? Oh, you know, right. Kind yeah. of correlation there. But, you know, you take a, a 2022 Tesla, you know, pick on them for a little bit, and... <laughs> All right, in 40 years from now, in 2062, are you still going to be able to run that car where you have the capability of being able to go backwards, if you will, with the software, whatever you need to be able to fix the electronics on it? Yeah, no, exactly. It, it is a quandary, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tesla, I see, has dropped its Model Y starting price below the price of the average U.S. vehicle. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I saw that on an automotive report somewhere. So uh, is Tesla, uh, you know, perhaps sacrificing a little profit for higher volume? I, I would venture a guess because, I mean, ideally their Model 3, which was supposed to be your everyday driver in that $30,000 range, you know, to, to appeal to the masses, so to mm -hmm. speak. Yeah. The Model Y was the next one up. Uh, so they're trying to, I think, gather more market share, if you will, uh, drop the price, make it a little more affordable for everybody. Not that, I mean, a new car is ridiculously priced now to begin yeah. with. But, yeah. uh, so to see them drop the, the price to gain more market share, yeah, because in my mind, as much as everybody likes to pick on Tesla, Elon Musk, whatever you want to point your finger at, they've done it right. In my, in my mind, Tesla has built their product, but not only built the product, but they built the infrastructure to go with it. Mm. So they have their charging network in place mm. before they rolled out the car. So in all the municipalities and the big cities and stuff like that, they had their charging network in place right, yeah. before they were selling the cars. Yeah, even, uh, even around here. And uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you look at right now all the EV platforms coming out, and they're scrambling to get a network in place. Yeah. Now this is nothing new because I want you to go back and look at you know we've talked about had gas and diesel in our lives for, forever. But then you start looking at any alternative fuel vehicle, whether it's propane, whether it's hydrogen, no matter what the alternative fuel is, the biggest challenge is the refueling network. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. that's where everybody is, is tripping over themselves with the EV platforms and you know electric cars, is what are we going to do to build a charging network so you can comfortably drive these cars anywhere in the U.S. Right. without having that, if you will, 
range anxiety or charging issues, whatnot. Yeah. And of course, the big joke on, on the internet is showing these electric vehicles hauling a gas-powered generator around in the back of the car <laughs> yeah. and being plugged in to recharge it. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I see that GM is trying to do something about it. Uh, I saw where they're partnering with their dealers to build uh, 40,000 charging stalls in communities across the U.S. and Canada. Sure, and, and yeah. what better place to start than your GM dealer? I mean, typically yeah. they're within... 30 to 50 or 100 miles of each other in most cases. Mm -hmm. I think until you get out into the Midwest and you're tra traveling hundreds of miles between towns. But yeah. still, why not use what you already have in place, your, your franchise network, your dealer network. Uh, and a lot of the dealers already have some form of charging capacity out there. You drive around town and uh, you know, a local Toyota dealer has a charging outlets outside. And I believe the local Chevrolet dealer does as well in places. And so, yeah, why not take what you already have and build upon it and then go from there? Use what you already know. You have a given quantity and, and build from there. That's a great idea. But the uh, charging stations or charging stalls, uh, they're not interchangeable, are they? I mean, you, you, if you have a, a Tesla, you have to go to a Tesla charging stall? That's my understanding. That's yeah. something that I've got to look into a little okay. bit more, but yeah. you know, it would be ideal if the charging plug for all the cars was standardized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but therein lies part of the problem, though, is that each car's charging infrastructure or charging software, electronics, might be different. And so you've got a standardized charger, but is it going to work with the charger, you know, to charge a battery on the car? Right. So... That's something that they've got to look at to see, all right, you know, can you take a Tesla and or Tesla charging station and plug your Rivian pickup into it to charge it or your Chevy Volt, you know, whatever it happens to be, the Nissan Leaf and on and on the list goes at this point. Uh, so, you know, how interchangeable are these chargers? I mean, we look at the problems we have right now with cell phones, with laptops, with these e-cigarettes, yeah. all these things catching on fire because people are charging them incorrectly. Right. So now yeah. you multiply that times 10,000 as far as size and capacity, yeah. and you start charging that electric vehicle incorrectly, mm -hmm. and it could go really bad really fast. It could. It, it really could. Dan Weed is with us from Weed Family Automotive in Concord, 124 Store Street. And uh, if you'd like to ask Dan a question this morning, uh, feel free to give us a call, 603 224-1450-603-224-1450. And uh, Dan will be here until uh, 9 o'clock this morning. And uh, if you miss any part of the show or just want to hear it again, uh, you can hear it tonight after 7 o'clock here on uh, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com at uh, 103.9 FM in Concord and uh, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond. And uh, you make an appointment at Weed Family Automotive right now. If you give them a call at 603-225-7988, 603-225-7988. We'll take a break. Kale & Company continues with Dan Weed right after these words on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale & Company here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Dan Weed is with us. From Weed Family Automotive, conveniently located, as it has been for many years, at 
124 Store Street in Concord. Maybe sometime when you're there, you'll see a train go by. It's always a possibility, right? Just, just yesterday. Yeah, just yesterday. Ken, oh, yes. we have a caller on the line. All right, awesome. who do we have? We have Jane Cormier, Ken Kale. Hey, Jane, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, how are you? Good, good. Say hello to Dan. Hello, Dan, how are you? Jane, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> so this has nothing to do with energy or weed automotive, <laughs> but you know what? You said to call in, yes. right? What are our Celtics and our Bruins doing? Oh, my goodness. It's oh, <laughs> more what they're not doing. You had, you had to bring that up, huh? You had to bring that up, Jane. Last night, I was beside myself. I, I thought for sure we were, we were selling that whole thing, and we were done until the last part of the game. Like, killed me to watch that goal. Oh, my goodness. I, I know it killed everybody on that uh, turnover <laughs> by uh, Alinas Ulmark, who has you know, been great all season long, probably will win the Vezina Trophy for best goaltender in the year, but he turned it over in overtime last night. You know, the Bruins, as you probably know, had a chance to win it as time was running out in regulation. Brad Marchand had a breakaway. <laughs> was beautiful yeah, yeah and, uh, you can't blame him he just didn't make the goal but yeah. you know what everybody on twitter last night <laughs> if you could have read what was going on on twitter i was amazed at the beating oh mark was taking oh yeah you know he has a bad game so what he made a mistake and we'll have another game but boy it seems like both of our teams are when when they get to the point to close it out they just stumble What's going on? It just is, and the and the Celtics did the same thing in the last game. Oh, they did. They had that thirteen point lead in the fourth quarter and blew it. <laughs> let it get away. They, uh, you know, as uh, Brian Scalabrini, their TV analyst, said, they just were playing on their heels yeah, for the fourth quarter. Did. Yeah, and they just uh, have to continue to to run and 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 push that ball, and that's their style. Yeah, and and uh, they have to continue to do that and. Uh, Jason Tatum didn't have an especially good game the other night. One for ten from three-point range. And I, know, I know. There were some uh, uh, turnovers that were very costly and, and fouls that were as well. Yeah. But, you know, sure. we we, uh, we live for another day, and both the uh, Celtics and Bruins <laughs> still alive. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll Do see. Do you think they're going to win it all? Uh, which one? Both. Do you, I mean, you know what? There's such hype that for one, you know, I, I don't know that any city's ever had an NHL and an NBA champion at the same time. I would have to look that up, but I think I don't think uh, there has been as far I, as I, I know. I looked it up. I, I could yeah. be wrong, but I, you know, they said no. Yeah. This this would be like yeah. historic. Yeah, it would be. I, I tell you what, I have more confidence right now in the Bruins than I do the Celtics. Yeah, I agree with you. I I really do. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Celtics have had games in which in during the regular season when they had a very good regular season they had uh, yes. leads and uh, big leads in a number of games and blew them just like they yes. did the other night so i have yeah. more confidence right now in the bruins and Linus Ulmark. he'll be fine he'll be fine do you think they're going to go with him they're not going to go with sway i i think they'll stick with Ulmark. i really do huh, okay i do cool. i do well he deserves it you know what we got here mostly on on the, on those games that he gave us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He sure. played great this year. So, they, um, yeah. They, they Interesting. They, they wouldn't be where they are without him. True. So, you Absolutely. sure you don't have any car questions? <laughs> car questions? Yes. I, I don't. I, I have to say I'm quite content with my little jalopy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Jane, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Bruins and the Celtics are going to bring this home. 
You both, know what? Both of it them. Could, it could happen. It could happen. You know, there's nothing like a kick in the pants to get you motivated. Exactly. You know, and they, maybe they'll turn it around. They, they both needed a, a little more reason, if you will, to come back <laughs> with a vengeance and yeah. take it all. There you go. I like it. I like your thinking. Well... <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you gentlemen continue, All but right. I wanted to stick and my two cents and, in there, Ken. And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, am I right, Kat, that uh, Jane's show is coming on right after this one today? It is, 9 a.m., <laughs> Art right. for Living. All right. Very good. We'll there look forward go. to that. All, All right. right. We'll thanks. see you soon. All right. Thanks. Have a good day, gentlemen. Uh, All righty. So, uh, Dan, you have supreme confidence in, in both of the teams. They're going to bring it home. All right. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, I don't know. I, I Right now, as it stands, I still have more confidence in the Bruins than I do the Celtics because this, uh, you know, losing of, of large leads has uh, has kind of become a habit uh, for, for the Celtics, who had a very good on-balance regular season, uh, but did have games where they had leads of even up uh, to uh, 20 points or more where they blew the leads and, and lost the games. Well, I think that this gives them a chance to come back with a little different perspective, maybe a little different strategy. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't need to build up such a huge lead, save a little bit for the end of the game and come back and take it home. Well, let's hope so. We'll I, see what I hope you are right. Uh, in the NBA last night, uh, Miami, who was the eighth seed in the East, seed number eight, Miami, beat the top seed, Milwaukee, last night in overtime, and Milwaukee, the top seed, is gone. gone. Good. They're gone. They're, Giannis and company are on vacation, <laughs> and which means if the Celtics continue in the playoffs, the Celtics now will have the home court in every series. There you go. The only series they would not have had at home court would have been against Milwaukee, and now Milwaukee yep. is on vacation. Well, thank you, Miami. Appreciate right. the help. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, but Miami can be tough, too. Oh, no doubt. As we saw last year in the playoffs. But they just made everybody's lives that much easier. They did. They, they, they really did. So they'll take on the Knicks next and the Celtics or the Hawks. I'm hoping it's the Celtics will be taking on the 76ers at some point. But the series gets getting pushed back and pushed back. Yeah. Because the series, uh, the first series, first round is still underway. Dan Weed is with us. If you have any automotive questions today, feel free to call at uh, 603-224-1450, our AM frequency here on WKXL. And Dan will be happy to uh, answer any question you might have. He is the uh, the latter-day shell answer man. And uh, I, I see where GM is going to discontinue the uh, manufacturing of uh, their Bolt EV. Yes, but yeah. even more importantly, the Camaro. The Camaro's the gone. The Camaro's away. gone. Well, that's even worse. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the Bolt is one thing, but the Bolt's the Camaro, been around for a long time, and it's been a yeah. pretty you yeah. know, good staple for them. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're just going to come out with something a little bit different, uh, something a little more on the, uh, if you will, uniform chassis line, yeah. so that they can use the same chassis and platform for different you know, brands, if you will. Uh, but yeah, the, the big news recently, and I'm not sure that we talked about this, but the Camaro is going away, which, all right, you know, they did that with the Corvette back in 83. There was no Corvette in 1983. In 84, they came out with the new design Corvette. Mm -hmm. So is this, is this what General Motors is up against is that, all right, now in 2024, we're not going to have a Camaro, but in 25, they're going to come out with a new design. But what I did catch wind of and I haven't seen it unveiled yet, but instead of the Camaro, they're bringing back the Chevelle. 
The Chevelle? Yes. The Chevelle and, is And there. a muscle car platform. Is there a demand for a, a muscle car Chevelle? I think there will be. I mean, yeah. and the preliminary pictures that I caught wind of are very attractive. It's a uh, nice looking car. They've done well with yeah. a little bit of retro styling with it, which I, I think, you know, in the General Motors world, and I'm, I'm a big GM guy, they've really struggled to keep up with some of the retro styles that Ford has brought back, and particularly Chrysler, you know, and Chrysler started way back with the Prowler, with the PT Cruiser, you know, with several of the their, yeah. you know, other car lines that they had. They've done really great with bringing some of this old styling back, you know, the, the Challenger, the, the uh, Charger and whatnot. They brought some of these classic lines back into a modern day car. And I think General Motors has completely missed the boat on their styling cues. Mm. You know, the Camaro they've done all right with, and but that's really the only car that they've done this with until the Chevelle now. I mean, of course, the Corvette looks nothing like it ever has before, but it's an amazing car right now. But you look at what Ford did with the Bronco and, and whatnot, and they've brought back some of these classic names, classic car lines, uh, and, and particularly the body lines. You know, for a long time, our cars lacked, and still to some degree, lack some style. No, like lacked some personality. Personality, right? thank right. you, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be we could tell the difference car to car, you know, on a yearly basis because they would change headlights, they would change taillights, you know, in the 60s and 70s all the way up through. These cars would change year to year, and oh, you know that's a '72 because the headlights are single headlights instead of the duals in '74, or the taillights are round instead of square, and you could discern, you know, year to year what they've done to styling cues and styling changes. And coming into the '80s, we really completely lost touch with that. Mm, yeah, uh, where everything stays the same for five, ten, fifteen years at a time. So what would a uh, Chevelle muscle car cost me on the open market? I haven't even seen the pricing, but you know, looking at what the Camaros were, I'm going to guess you're going to be in the 60000 range. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you won't be seeing one of those in my garage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll continue to see what you've been seeing <laughs> the last 10 years. We'll take a quick break. Dan Weed is with us from Weed Family Automotive. If you have any questions, comments, views, ideas, opinions, uh, give us a call. 603-224-1450. 603-224-1450. Dan Weed is here. Weed Family Automotive. You know where they are. 124 Store Street in Concord. You've been there for how many years now? 28 years this year. 28 years. Dan started when he was 10 <laughs> with the uh, automotive shop. Yeah, give them a call for a reservation. Uh, make an appointment at 603-225-7988. 603-225-7988. We'll take a break. Kale and Company Live continues here on WKXL, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Dan Weed is in the house. Always great to have uh, Dan with us from Weed Family Automotive. And uh, that's at 124 Store Street in Concord. Big development going on right out in, in front of the uh, adjacent shopping plaza on Store Street. When are those uh, things going to open up, the, the restaurant and the coffee shop and everything else that's out there? So they've got the, uh, let me think if I get this correct, they've got the 110 Grill there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've got the Xfinity Store, which has been open for a little while Oh, it now. has been. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Starbucks and Appliables. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, the only one that's open right now is the Xfinity Store that I'm aware of. Uh, nothing else is, yeah. is set to open. They're still doing some 
final touches on the exterior and the landscaping and whatnot. All right. Uh, I believe something came up with the signs on the 110 grill because they had them up and they were awful glittery and shiny. I, I remember and that, yeah. Next yeah. thing I know, they were taken, taken down. And they're down now. Yeah. Uh, wow. One of them is back up with a different design to it, if you yeah. will. Right. Uh, but the other one facing the Pleasant Street side has not been put back up yet. It was a little too glitzy Something, for, for yeah. Store Street, huh? <laughs> store Street wasn't ready for but, that glitzy 110 grill sign. I, I think they're close. Uh, yeah. I would certainly expect within the next month or two to see them come open but you know uh, yeah. i'm wondering w- how they're going to overcome uh, if you will staffing shortages right and uh, well speaking of that i'm glad you said that uh because uh, you know, most places are experiencing staffing shortages at this point in time and i understand weed family automotive might be one of them we are looking for somebody to uh add to our our staff yeah we're looking for technician uh preferably somebody with some seasoned experience, if you will, and get somebody to join our team and become part of the family and, and do what we do at the shop. But, that'd be, you know, we've had ads out for a while. I actually did have an interview last night with somebody that uh, had been with us in the past, and it, it might work out, but still uh, we're always recruiting. It's an mm-hmm. ongoing recruiting program because yeah. you never know what tomorrow brings. And uh, so I'd like to just be prepared for that and love to talk to really – Anybody that would like to sit down, give me their resume and application and, and see if they'd be a fit for the shop at this point and have that experience in the automotive industry would be great. Uh, we had uh, a couple of people from the high school program come in and mm-hmm. visit us. And uh, I can't say enough about the high school program or even the, the local tech colleges and, and the programs that these people put forth. They do a terrific job. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times that these kids get into the college program and they're already sponsored by one of the manufacturers. So the, you know, the, the big dealerships and the manufacturers are scooping these kids up pretty much right out of high school wow. Uh, wow. and into the trade. So like it makes being it, recruited like an athlete. Exa- huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Uh, and I was talking to the gentleman that is in charge of the Manchester Community College Automotive Program. And uh, I knew that they were, had one or two sponsorships as far as the manufacturers down there. Uh, but was surprised to hear that they've actually got five or six different sponsorships wow. down there through manufacturing programs. Uh, the challenge is, is even through the high school, you know, you might start with 40 or 50 kids in the high school program, mm-hmm. but the graduation rate from those programs is almost 50%. So you start off with 40 or 50, and if you get 25 or 30 out, right. and, and the colleges are really no different. So they are truly, and, and the schools, high school, it starts at the high school, they're recruiting these kids to come into these programs, knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, they're only going to have half of what they started with, mm-hmm. and the same with the colleges. So it's, you know, great to see that our state in particular has su- such a strong vocational program out there, and not just automotive. I mean, they a wide range of sure, it. Sure, yeah. And because the reality is, is that a four-year college is not for everybody. And college in general might not be for Correct. everybody. Yeah, I think that's a good point to make, yeah. But if yeah. you can get some of the kids into the a hands-on vocational program where they're, you know, learning in real life, real life skills, they're put out into a co-op program so they can see what it's like on a day-to-day basis in, in our daily lives and get that experience that they need. You know, I can't, again, I can't say enough about the local programs that we have. I would truly love to see our state adopt a vocational high school program where it's a true standalone, well, maybe not even standalone, but adjacent to the existing high school mm-hmm. or even a standalone facility where yeah. the whole curriculum, start to finish, English, math, sciences, 
are all geared towards that vocational system where you're learning, you know, math that you would use every day because not everybody is going to use algebra, physics, trigonometry, geometry, right? Right, Right. exactly. In in our everyday life, we do math calculations on a regular basis, whether we're dealing with what we call torque to yield Mm -hmm. bolts and tightening stuff down, whether we're dealing with metric to standard conversions and things like that. So we see it every day that there are certain parts of, if you will, a math program or science program would be beneficial to what we do. But again, you know, dealing with algebra, trigonometry and stuff like that, it's not truly in my everyday life. But, you know, all right, business sense and balancing a checkbook and these stuff that we would take for granted. uh, I'd love to see that built into a high school vocational program in our state. And unfortunately, it all comes down to funding and tax dollars. So, but what can we do to get our leadership to see that a vocational program uh, creates a huge strong foundation for somebody's skill set. You know, I've seen certainly in my career people that have come through and and either worked for me, been, you know, in our circles, if you will, that school was just not their cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And they were told, you know, right through high school that, oh, well, if you don't get a four-year degree or a degree, you'll be nothing, nothing, nothing. And one of the, you know, people that I had at the shop has gone on. He didn't have a college degree, didn't have that four-year degree, and has come on to be a very successful business owner. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so school is not for everybody, and, and if we could get people to realize that, that, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the smarter people out there, you know, well, I think Bill Gates is a perfect example mm-hmm. that I don't believe he went off to college or, you know, had a full college degree when he started, but he had the common sense and the street smarts to know what he wanted to do and, and build what he built. Uh, I think the same was true with, uh, what was the Hewlett Packard. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys started in, in a garage somewhere, yeah. I believe in Massachusetts, you know, to, to build what became one of the biggest computer and or printer companies yeah. out there. So it goes on to show you that, you know, education is great, it gives you a good foundation, but it's not everything in your life. No, and I, I think that there should be a push for a more practical uh, education. I remember when, when I was going to school, it might have been uh, true with you, Dan, uh, and I, this was a, a long time ago, but it, I, I remember being in a class, and I, I can't remember what grade it was, but they spent so much time uh, talking about how to use a slide rule, for example. Sure. And, you know, I have never, honestly, used a slide rule in, in my <laughs> life. I, I didn't get it at school. I, I, I don't get it now. Uh, but, I, but I'm sure very few people use slide rules these days with th- all the technology that we have. I remember having the lesson, but, again, using it in real-life applications yeah. at right. the time uh, never came to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I remember – you know, vividly going through high school and some of the classes we took in high school, uh, chemistry, I had an amazing chemistry teacher. And that's stuff that I could use in everyday life. I could I could see the application. Yeah, yeah. And even in college, you know, I, I took a, a physics course and we had a, an amazing physics teacher, uh, but he was teaching that physics class to apply to the automotive industry. Yeah. And so I could see that, I could use it and stuff like that. But beyond that, the rest of the stuff didn't gain me a whole lot. You know, algebra and, and yeah. the theories and this right. and that. And, yeah. uh, I've never truly been able to apply a lot of that to my day-to-day life. Yeah. Uh, and not that, 
you know, I know some people can, some people can't, and terrific, but I think a hands-on vocational program for a lot of the yeah. kids out there uh, I, gives I think, them an amazing yeah. foundation. And if you have, you know, we keep talking about it, you know, getting new kids into the industry, in any industry, really, but the truth is there's uh, several things that we can't teach, all right? I can't teach personality skills. So, you know, attitude, aptitude, mm-hmm. and, and personality traits, those are things that, unfortunately, I can't teach. We can sort of mold it a little bit, but the mechanical skills, we can teach you mechanical skills all day long, right. teach you from our experience and what we've learned, and, and be able to carry that forward. So, you know, if you, you know, show up on time every day, good personality, willing to learn, and some people skills, you'll go a long ways and, and do pretty much whatever you want. Well, you know, this is school vacation week in New Hampshire. There may be some youngsters uh, listening now that would not normally have an opportunity to to listen to this program. So maybe this is uh, very well-timed because uh, what if you're out there, you you know, you enjoy – I know my grandson knows a lot more about cars that – at 11 years old that I, I do right now and ever have. Uh, but if, what if somebody has a keen interest in, in becoming uh, an automotive technician? Sure. Uh, well, well, we'll do it after the break. But think about this. What What is the best path they should take? I mean, if they're, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old right now mm-hmm. and are thinking about, you know, what are we going to do after high school? Uh, what would be the best path to take right now? Okay. Great. All right. Well, Pursue that after we take a quick break here on Kale and Company. Great to have you with us. Dan Weed is here. Weed Family Automotive, one of our great sponsors on WKXL. And you can give them a call, make a reservation right now. Make make it sound like it's a hotel. Make an appointment uh, right now at 603. I don't think you have any rooms there, do you? It's a high-class establishment. A reservation works fine. (laughs) (laughs) 603-225-7988 for all your automotive needs. Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. We'll take a break, and then uh, after the break, we'll uh, tell you a little bit about how you might be able to pursue a, a career as an automotive technician. And uh, certainly those jobs will never go away. Don't you learn a trade. You know, they will always be there. We'll take a break. Kale & Company continues on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale & Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. So... Dan Weed with us uh, from Weed Family Automotive. And uh, before the break, we talked about, you know, I, I know there are a lot of uh, young people out there as young as uh, 9, 10, 11 years old that are into cars, know all the makes and models, uh, a lot more than I do. That is for sure. I, my, my grandson is living proof of that. Uh, knows every vehicle that, that's uh, that's out there and uh, has an interest in it. So what if you have an interest in, like you're, you're in high school right now, let's say a sophomore, junior in high school, and you want to get into the uh, the automotive uh, technician field, what's the best path to take at this point? Well, I think the more established path, if you will, yeah. is to get signed up in, in high school for the automotive program. Now, most have them. Well, uh, some have them. Some, Unfortunately, some. in my mind, not enough. Okay. And, and not just automotive, but just the trades in general. Yeah. Um, I think 
you know, like in, in Concord here, the vocational center is a regional center. So they have a whole bunch of sending schools, you know, as far away as Pittsfield, Barnstead and whatnot mm-hmm. that bust the kids in for the, you know, the day for the vocational programs. Unfortunately, there's all too many out there that don't have access to a vocational program. So ideally, yeah, I'd like to see the kids go through the high school program, get exposed there. Uh, in their second year, they can come out into the, uh, the real world, if you will, on co-op, spend an hour or two with us for a period of time for six to eight weeks each day and have that real life exposure. Now, for the kids that don't have that available to them, I think if they can get connected with you know, mom and dad's repair shop in some mm-hmm. fashion, mm-hmm. Uh, talk to the folks that run the repair shop and maybe come in and job shadow for a day or two and see what they do. Uh, and you've got to keep in mind that, all right, not everybody fits in one place, if you will. So, you know, we've had some kids that didn't fit well with us, but fit well in other shops. So you try and get them into the right place with the right people, have them have that right experience and get them exposed to what's out there. You know, I started out, well, back in junior high, we had industrial arts class back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, and so you were exposed to metalworking, woodworking, right. small engines yeah. and stuff like that. So we had that exposure as early as junior high. So I was very fortunate that way. But I also, at that point in time, was tinkering with things, taking things apart, fixing them, trying to make yeah. them work right. Yeah. Uh, and that was part of the experience, if you will. But in any given trade, you know, there are co-op programs or apprenticeship programs to be able to get into and try out. Uh, we have through one of our uh, national suppliers, a whole apprenticeship program uh, that is available wow. for the right people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, hopefully at that point, they're at least through high school and we can put them into the apprenticeship program. There is a commitment to it, uh, but there's a huge commitment on our part as well. And to the point where we're willing to provide some of the tools and equipment that you need to get started with. So there is a apprenticeship program in, in place and it's starting to take more and more hold nationally uh, as far as, if you will, in the aftermarket industry and not so much the dealership world and the manufacturers have an established program at this point. So we're a little bit behind, if you will, but we do have the opportunity to get the kids in, give them the exposure, make sure that they like it and we can move on from there. And then they can get, uh, they can take classes as they go, uh, get certified in different areas, and then get their, as we call ASE certifications as they go along. So mm-hmm. there is programs in place for kids to be able to do that. Uh, maybe not so much as young as 10 or 11, but as right. they get into the right. teen years, yeah. uh, it is a, there is a strong possibility, particularly through a lot of the schools, to make that happen. Now, what about the other programs post-high school that are out there, the uh, community colleges, the, uh, the vocational uh, centers, uh, are we well stocked with those here in New Hampshire? Or? So in New Hampshire, our community college system does an amazing job with the trades. Uh, every from Nashua to Manchester to uh, Laconia and up into uh, Berlin, all three of those community colleges have a very strong program within the trades. Uh, to the point where, in the automotive world, they had a national competition recently that all four of the schools sent at least one kid off to finish in the nationals. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So it must be quite a program. It is. They, yeah. 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 They, they do a great job. You know, And even you know, here in Concord at, at the vocational center at the high school, yeah. again, they have a Skills USA competition. They had, I think it was four students from the vocational program in Concord 
that went off to finish uh, in the top, I think, three or four spots. Mm, that's, so, that's great. Yeah. And, and so it's great to yeah. see that. Great to see the kids have that exposure, the sponsorship, and the support to be able to get into the trades, to be able to have a successful path going forward. And, you know, a lot of these kids are heading off to the military too because mm-hmm. military offers a great, you know, training program as far as mechanical skills. And, you know, we we like to think of, you know, in our small little realm of reality in the automotive world, but if you have those mechanical skills, that attitude, aptitude, you know, you can go on to be an aviation mechanic, sure. heavy equipment mechanic. Yeah. You know, there are so many different facets of if the repair industry from, you know, industrial applications in, if you will, a factory setting, because you stop and think about, well, just a manufacturing plant alone, all these systems that they have in place, well, who's fixing these systems, mm-hmm. you know, right. from assembly yeah. lines on down, or you, you look at the car manufacturing world and what they have from making the steel to the finished product. So th- there's so many different opportunities for somebody that has mechanical skills, mechanical aptitude, uh, even in the building trades, plumbing, electricity, it just brings it all together. So you, you learn that trade, you learn that skill, and you'll have a career and a good living for a long time. Yeah, that's uh, certainly a great advice because, uh, let's face it, not everybody is going to have scholarships to college. Not everybody can afford college. Right. And there is uh, you know, great educational opportunities out there at our community colleges, as you uh, pointed out, with great programs in uh, uh, a lot of fields uh, of endeavor. And, you know, if you go to a community college for a couple of years, uh, you can always transfer to a, a four-year school if, if, you know, that's your desire. Or you can probably go out in the working world after those two years. Yeah, and you, you bring up a great point. So if you do a two-year college or two-year community college program, yeah. m- most, if not all of those credits are transferable into a four-year program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get into you know, automotive, plumbing, electrical, and all of a sudden decide that your passion is in designing, building, and engineering, you can transfer those credits into a four-year college towards, say, an engineering program. You know, so that is a whole nother career path, if you will. Exactly. And so, again, it just, that basic set of skills, if you will, that foundation that you build upon opens so many more doors and opportunities for you. Uh, And it's, Something I've told my kids is that, you know, people aren't going to do this for you. You have to make this happen. Yeah. You know, nothing just happens on its own. You have to make it happen. So go out, put the effort in, put the work into it, and and make it part of your your passion, if you will, and, and what you want to do. You know, find that thing that really drives you, really motivates you. And, you know, I look at what we do as a way of helping people. You know, there's a lot of people that we've done work for over the years that, well, we haven't charged for, we've given away cars here or there, you know, just stuff that we can do to help somebody get a little more ahead in life. Mm -hmm. And so that's my way of giving back to the community and and giving, you know, helping people where we can. And the same thing goes with any, you know, trade, with any skill, with no matter what you're doing, there's always a way of giving back, but it's, it's all about finding that, that passion and really liking what you do. And for us, it's, I go into work and every day is different. You know, every car is different. You know, the challenge is different. And it's not, if you will, cookie cutter from day to day. Uh, There's always something new in in our industry, given the the pace of technology. 
Oh, if, man. If, if we're not yeah. learning something, yeah. and I've told my guys this, you know, maybe not every day or every week, but in a short period of time, if we're not learning something new, then we're not doing our job right, and we need to look at it a little bit differently so that we can continue making ourselves better and learning from what's out there. Right, something to learn every day in yes. the automotive world these days. No no question about it. And you mentioned uh, uh, the military as well. If you go into the military, uh, that may guide you to a field that you never even thought about. And when you get out, they'll help you pay for your education exactly. as well. You know, my, that was a perfect case for my brother. You know, He went into the Air Force. They paid for his college education, his four years of education, and then went off and served uh, in the Air Force for almost 30 years and wow. came out a full colonel. So you know, it's all what you make of it. Wow. Well, that's a great advice today from uh, Dan Weed, as we always get. Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Cochrane. You can make an appointment right now. If you need an inspection by the end of the month or a few days into the month of May, 603-225-7988, weedfamilyautomotive.com, where you can also uh, make a reservation. Dan, always great to see you and hope to see you again real soon. Thank you for having me. We'll take, uh, well, that's it. We're, that's we're it. done. We're done. We're done. Time we flies. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, folks. <laughs> and uh, I understand that Artful Living is coming up next. If you're listening uh, to the live program, 9 o'clock. So stand by for more great programming on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. 